Would you turn in your Bible, please, to Jeremiah, the 8th chapter? Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20. We begin today, or really next Sunday, a special fall focus on outreach and going after people and enlisting people for Jesus' sake. And I pray that every life in our church will be touched, every department will be touched, and that every teacher will work for the night is coming when men can work no more. I'd like to ask all the Sunday school teachers who are here today and department directors and coordinators and so on that are in this auditorium to stand for just a moment. Will you do that, please? This is a whole band of people. God bless you. Now, every one of you has a goal. I think that goal was posted in your department and class today. If it was not, please see Brother Ben. He'll get, get it to you. And our prayer is that every one of you will enlist and enroll during the next eight weeks at least two people in your class. And that you will do your very best to have the people present in your Sunday school that represent that goal. And that we'll move on toward Christ's goal for us. God bless you. You may be seated. I want us to project over the next eight weeks, the thought that Janice gave to us earlier this morning in the service, when she said, soon will the season of rescue be o'er, soon will they drift to eternity shore. Haste then, my brother, no time for delay, but throw out the lifeline and save them today. That is God's call and tug at our heart. May we pray. Our Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit of God will move across every heartstring today and make this a day that will honor Christ and will be remembered in our minds and thinking. Help us to know that the harvest will not last forever. This is a wonderful season, but soon it will be over. And may we work because the night is coming when men can work no more. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. One of the saddest verses of Scripture in the Bible is found in Jeremiah chapter 20, chapter 8, verse 20. We remember that Jeremiah was called by God to go and preach to Jerusalem. He preached there for 40 years. He preached and held out his hand as an invitation to folks to come to God. As far as we can tell, there were very few recorded commitments in Jeremiah's ministry, if any. Some have projected that Jeremiah preached 40 years with no converts at all. That's hard to do. And the book of Jeremiah is not always in chronological order, and we need to recognize that chapter 8, verse 20, perhaps should come at the very end of the book of Jeremiah. When Jeremiah says, with a heartbreak, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. God has graciously given four seasons to our lives. 
the autumn, the winter, the spring, the summer. Sometimes the passing of one season into the next is not noticeable. This year was an exception. The autumn came in with a tremendous rainstorm and the temperatures all dropped. And we recognized that we were in a different season as the sun passed the fall equinox on Friday. There will be some warm sunny days left. The grass will still be green and some of it will need to be cut again. The flowers will still be blooming. We cannot always tell when we go from one season to the next. And so it is with life. Often the passing is hardly noticeable. There will not always be much obvious difference. Trees still have their leaves. Some of the flowers will still be in bloom. Daylight saving time will be in vogue until sometime in October. The weather will be warm. From everything obvious, there will be no difference between the summer and the fall, and yet the scientists tell us that we're now in the fall time. The ending of the summer is sad. The warm sunny days grow fewer to be replaced by the cold and snowy days of the winter. The family reunions that we've enjoyed during the summer will fade. Some of the loved ones we saw will not be there when we gather again. I remember very well years ago going over on Lake Erie see my grandfather after whom I was named. I was in college and spent a little while in the summer, I think it was in July or August. When I got ready to leave, Grandpa Rogers said, uh, said Richard, and his name was Richard, he said, uh, I won't see you anymore until we get to heaven. Well, I said, Grandpa, don't talk like that. I'll see you again. I'll be back again next summer. He said, yes, but I won't be here. And in April of the next year, we all gathered in Columbus, Ohio for his memorial service. Now the passing of summer is like that. I often think of the ending of summer in another way. When Jeremiah cried out, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we're not saved. He was saying, all day long I've preached. I've urged you to come. I've given you the opportunity that God laid on my heart to lay upon your heart. You've had opportunity to change your lives for the Lord. You've had opportunity to reach out and make Israel a great nation for the glory of God. But the summer has passed, and you've neglected it, and now there's going to be judgment. God gives ample time for harvest. Two thousand years ago, Jesus declared the harvest season in session. When he said in John chapter 4, verse 35, Say not ye there yet four months, and then comes the harvest. I say unto you, lift up your eyes. The fields are white already to harvest. For 2,000 years, the faithful followers of Jesus have been praying and weeping and begging men to be reconciled to God. But God's summer and harvest do not last forever. These next eight weeks that God is giving us as a church to reach some precious soul, to reach people and enroll them in Bible study, 
to find those who are getting saved and ask them to be baptized to honor the Lord, to follow Jesus, to build our classes, to fill empty pews and empty chairs in our classes. God gives us that opportunity. Some will say, well, we always have that opportunity. There's no need to rush. I have my work, I have my job, I have my home, I have my family, I have a lot of priorities. Yes, but if you're God's child, God has given you one main priority. That is to reach out after those who have not yet come. And if we don't do it, it won't be done. If those of us assembled in this auditorium today and those who care, who listen by radio, do not reach out after the unsaved and after the unenlisted and the inactive, they'll not be reached. And the harvest will end. We'll have to say with Jeremiah, the summer is ended, harvest is over, and they're not saved. I want to present to you several harvests that will soon pass away. Number one, the harvest of youth passes. Youth is a great time. It's like the springtime of life, a time for physical maturing, a time of enjoyment, and a time of pleasure, and a time of romance. Someone has said a young man's fancy turns to that which the young lady's been thinking of all year long in the harvest, in the springtime. Youth is a time for seed sowing. It is so important that the Bible has much to say about it. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, the Bible says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Do what you want to do. Sow your wild oats. Live it up. Just any way you want to live. But remember, there's a judgment. There's a judgment day coming. In 2 Timothy 2.22, Paul says, Flee youthful lusts. In chapter 12, verse 1 of Ecclesiastes, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Sow your wild oats. Do whatever you want to. But there's coming a day when you cannot retrieve that which God has given you. One of the saddest things I know is to, is to pray for a person over a long period of years. And, and I want to tell you, I don't believe God places someone on your heart for years and years and years and keeps that person on your heart even though there's no evidence that they're getting saved I don't believe God will do that without saving that person but there's a tragedy involved I've known a number of people that I've prayed for in this city I can think of five that I've had on my heart for 30 years three of those have been saved one has just recently given his life to Christ Another still unsaved. But the tragedy is this. To wait and wait and wait and wait and go through those early teen years and the early adult years and the later adult years and then head on up into the maturing years and then at the very end give God the leftovers. What a tragedy. Now that places the focus and the spotlight on every one of us who is saved to do everything we can to reach those who are lost and to those who are lost today 
If there's anybody who cares for your lost soul, don't ignore that. If they've come and knocked on your door and prayed for you and urged you to give your heart to Christ, don't say no. Don't put it off. Don't say, well, I've got plenty of time. The strength of youth we lay at Jesus' feet today. Give him what you have now, not later. Because the harvest of youth passes all too rapidly. Every gray hair, every weakened body is a silent testimony that the harvest of youth passes away. Secondly, the harvest when there are reapers, loved ones who seek to get you saved, passes away. I think of the story of Samuel and Saul. Samuel was God's great servant, tremendous man of God. Samuel loved the Lord with all of his heart, and he loved Saul. He anointed Saul to be king. Saul was disobedient to the Lord, and Samuel prayed and prayed and talked to, Sam, to Saul. There came a day when Saul got so angry and indignant with Samuel, he said, I don't even want to see you anymore. And Samuel said, all right, I will see your face again no more. But God forbid that I should cease sin against the Lord and ceasing to pray for you. And there came a tragic hour in Samuel's life. I think tragic, maybe tragic in Saul's life. When Samuel was praying for Saul and God said, Samuel, what are you doing? Why well, he said, I'm praying for Saul. He said, get up from your knees. Don't pray for him anymore. I placed him aside. Now, I want to say to you, there comes a day when if you ignore the call of God and the tug of God in your heart and you say no, 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 again and again, there will come a day when God will say, all right, I'll take your excuse seriously. I'll not try anymore. I'll not send anybody to you anymore. And somebody tries to pray for you, God says, what are you doing? Don't pray for him anymore. You see, the harvest, when there are special reapers that care about you, that are concerned about you, that want to see you saved, that harvest will pass away. Maybe it's a mother who went to her grave praying for a boy or a girl. Maybe it's some Sunday school teacher who prayed a long time, went to your house. Maybe it's a bus pastor that came again and again and again and knocked on your door, and you said, oh, I'll go tomorrow, and tomorrow came and you didn't come. And you did that over and over and over again. I want to tell you, there comes a day when God begins to take you seriously. And you ignore God and you spit in his face and you turn your back on him and you say, no, no, no. And God will say, all right, all right. The harvest when there are special reapers and loved ones. Soon will the season of rescue be o'er. Soon will they drift to eternity's shore. Haste then, my brother, no time for delay, but throw out the lifeline and save them today. I hope everybody will give this your undivided attention this morning. The harvest of God's special dealing with a sinner passes. The harvest of the Holy Spirit conviction will pass away. Now, that's a dangerous doctrine. I believe whosoever will may come. But like the man that's on the front of the train all of his life, I think of my own dad. He worked on the steam engines all of his life. The end of his life, he'd have to 
almost shout to him because his hearing was impaired. Had too much pride to wear a hearing aid. He'd say, Dad, yeah? Dad, how you doing today? What'd you say? Couldn't hear. Now, there comes a time in a person's life, a man who just ignores God and leaves God out, the Holy Spirit will knock. So did I hear somebody knocking? Did I hear God speak to me? I want to tell you, I have talked to men and women who have said, I would give anything if I could hear God say something to me. I'd give anything if I could just feel that tug of God in my heart again, but I don't feel it anymore. The Bible teaches that there can come a day when the grace passes away. In Genesis chapter 6, the Bible says God told Noah, he said, Noah, my spirit will not always strive in the hearts of men. You cannot be saved unless you touch, sense the touch of God in your heart. Listen, sit up and listen to me. You cannot be saved unless the Holy Spirit brings conviction. Just walking down an aisle doesn't save you. Shaking a preacher's hand doesn't save you. Even kneeling doesn't save you. Even crying doesn't save you. The only way a man or woman or boy or girl can ever be saved is for the Holy Spirit to convict and make us aware of our need. And when we respond, we sense that need inside of our heart and we say, Lord, I want you. The Holy Spirit is there. But the harvest season, when God deals with us, soon passes away. The harvest of campaigns and revivals passes. One of the reasons we have revival meetings and one of the reasons we have Sunday school campaigns is to avoid business as usual. So we'll not say, well, it's just always like this. Sometimes we do things just a little bit different to remind ourselves that we have one superior, superior assignment and that assignment is to go and reach people. Go bring them in. But the season of that passes. I talked to a man in London the other day. He said, well, preacher, I'm going to come to the revival one night. I'm going to come to the revival one night. The revival passed. He didn't come. I think of when J. Harold Smith was with us a few weeks ago. Some came to that revival meeting. Many got saved, thank God. There were some who came and heard the same preaching, who heard the same conviction of the Holy Spirit, and they said no. Someday, maybe later, but the harvest of revival passed and they did not come. Last of all, the harvest of life itself passes. In James chapter 4, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little season then vanishes away. We don't know how long we've got. Maybe a year. Maybe 10 years. Maybe you're going to live to be 100 thank the Lord for Irving Berlin who lived to be 101, but that's unusual. 
I may be speaking to someone today whose opportunity to be saved is limited to just days. Before this very week is over, we may be meeting in a funeral home in your honor. When we began school in the fall, in August, we had a lunch meeting. And our students met downstairs and Brother Ms. Wimpy and Brother Ms. Bob Brown prepared a wonderful, delicious banquet meal. We had a great time. And I made a statement to the students that day. Before this year is over, somebody who has come to Western University this fall to study will be killed. It's already happened. Every year that I've been in Bowling Green, someone who comes to study at the university in the fall dies in an automobile crash. We had a young man come to this service several years ago. Thank the Lord he came and gave his heart to Christ. He went back over to Western and the elevator got messed up. And that young man who was in our service got crushed in the elevator. It happens all the time. And I may be speaking to some junior boy or girl, maybe some adult, maybe some teen, maybe some kid, and you don't have very long. You don't have very long to do what you're going to do. The harvest of life passes away all too quickly. Soon will the season of rescue be o'er. Soon will they drift to eternity's shore. And those of us who are saved do not have forever to do what we're going to do. Years ago, I was preaching in Savannah, Tennessee. It was on a Sunday night. And I noticed in the service, we had a divided, there was an aisle down the middle, and group on that side and a group on this side. Down here in the middle, about halfway back, there was a young man and a young woman sitting together. And I noticed during the service, the young girl spoke to the guy. And I, I didn't know what she said, but I had an idea. I saw, saw him shake his head no. The invitation closed and service ended. I stood at the door and as they went out, I, I spoke to them and I learned that that boy was not a Christian. I, I urged upon him the mandates of Christ. I asked him to receive Christ and he, he said, no, not tonight, preacher, but I'll be back. I'll be back. The next day was election day in Hardin County. Maybe it was Tuesday. That week, one day, one of the two days, soon after that Sunday night, that week was election day. And a lady was coming over the Savannah River Bridge, over the Tennessee River Bridge in Savannah, and she had a flat tire. And in, in, instead of trying to get her car down off the bridge, she just stopped there and she sent for somebody to come and fix it. The boy that was in the service the night before worked at one of the filling stations there. He drove his truck up on that bridge and parked the truck with the lights pointing there so he could see and he got out between the truck and the car to try to fix the flat. And a man drunk on election day whiskey came up on that bridge and jammed into the truck. And the boy was pinned between the truck and the car. 
The ambulance took him to the hospital. They called me to come out to the hospital. I went out and stood by the boy's, the boy's stretcher. He was unconscious. I tried to speak to him. I, I did talk with him. I don't know whether he could hear me or not. He seemed to be unconscious. I prayed for him. Pretty soon the girl that had been in the service the night before was, was right there with him. And then they took the boy, put him in an ambulance and took him to Memphis to the hospital. The girl said to me, that's my boyfriend. He was with me at church last night. Preacher, he's not saved. I asked him to trust Jesus last night. He said, no. On the way to Memphis, he died. That boy's in hell tonight. He was in a service much like this one. He said, no, not, not tonight, some other day. The harvest of life passes. Let's pray. Our Father, it is painful to think about somebody we've prayed for and loved being lost going to hell. We just pray today that will create an atmosphere in this church among all the people of God that would say, I'm not going to let lost souls slip through my fingers. Even at the risk of being a pest or a nuisance, I'm going to do what I can to reach somebody. Get them under the Word of God. Get them in the Sunday school classes. Get them in the, word, in, in the church services. I'm going to go to their homes. I'm going to do what I can to reach people for Christ. And Lord, those who, are, who have rejected Christ, who have said no to you, maybe time and time again, touch their lives. Oh God, may there come a burden upon your church today. May the Holy Spirit of Christ move across our heartstrings with a concern to see lost people saved. Now, while we remain in prayer, my friend, if you have someone on your heart you want to see saved, or you would ask God to use you to reach somebody for Christ, to get somebody under the Word of God, to get them in your Sunday school class, and you mean business with God. It's not some kind of little perfunctory thing, but you mean business with God. I want to ask you to get up and come and kneel at this altar and ask God to give you the power to do it. Will you do it now? Just come while we wait. With our eyes closed and heads bowed, I believe there are folks in this church who care for souls. I want to ask the organist to start playing Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying, Snatch them in pity from sin and the grave, Weep o'er the erring ones, Lift up the fallen, Tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. And I want to ask you to just assemble right down there and pray, pray, pray for God's power and God's authority on your life. Pray for God's hand upon this church. Pray for your Sunday school classes. 
pray for Ben Oates and Phil Brent as they lead us in Sunday school and training union. Pray for your staff. Pray for lost souls. Pray for those who are inactive, who need to get going for God. Down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter. Feelings lie buried that grace can restore. Wakened by kindness, cords that are broken will vibrate once more. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Snatch them in pity from sin in the grave. Weep o'er the erring one, lift up the fallen. Tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. May just pray for a moment or two, will you? All across the auditorium, while these are praying at the front, would you pray? If you're here without Jesus, don't let this hour pass by saying, not today, some other time. Would you just now say, Lord, I, I want you in my heart. I invite you to come in. I ask you to save me. Our Father, honor these prayer requests. So many people with somebody on their heart on this last Sunday of September, just before we go into a fall program of reaching out after unreached people. Oh God, put a burden for souls on our hearts. Burn it deep within. We pray you help us to go rejoicing Go and, and then come again rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with us. Bless a mother, a daddy, a son or a daughter, a husband or a wife. Bless a neighbor that's on our hearts. Touch these and draw them to Christ. In Jesus' name. Those of you who have come to pray, would you go back to your places now? And remember what you prayed. Remember your vow to the Lord. Let's all stand together, please. We're going to sing an invitation hymn in a moment. Number 334, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. Number 334, this is God's invitation. Now friend, if you're here and you've never been saved, you've never come to Christ, or you're not sure you'd go to heaven if you died today, I have good news for you. God loves you, and he wants to save you. He wants to live in your heart. You have to open the door from the inside. Would you do it? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any boy, any girl, any man, any woman will open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. Would you let Jesus into your heart today? God help you to do that. While we begin to sing, is there somebody who will come and say, I, I heard God speak to me and I don't want the harvest to pass without giving my heart to Christ. It may mean you're a member of another church and God wants you at Glendale and you need to come. Maybe you've never been saved, you need to come to Jesus. Maybe you've been saved, but you need to make it public. 
You need to follow the Lord in baptism. Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus was God tabernacling in human flesh. He paid the whole price for your sin. And if you'll trust him, he'll save you right now. God help you to do it while we sing. Will you just come? I'll meet you right here. I'll be standing and waiting. Christians are praying. Will you come?